You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another edition of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by my co-host, Jamie D'Amico, after taking a week off. We are back and better than ever. Pleased to bring you some introspective Buffalo Bills commentary here as we are getting ready you know, the virtual off season has come to an end, which means we are gearing up for training camp and what that is going to look like. And we'll cover that on a future podcast. But for today, uh, Jamie and I had a really interesting conversation we wanted to bring up. And and before I do, Jamie, of course, let's welcome you onto the podcast. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, man, it's a good thing you welcomed me because I would have left. The disrespect is unbelievable around here. He's always pulling the Rodney Dangerfield card. I get no respect, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to have you back, Jamie. It's good to be back after a week absence. And, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting as we, we every week to give our fans to let you know how the sausage is made, so to speak, uh, here on Believe. Jamie and I will text and, and communicate about different topics that we come across for Bill's podcast. And we want to make it fascinating and interesting for our fans. We want to make it something where there's a talker, you know, you're going to, it's going to hold your interest for the 20 to 30 to 40 minutes that we do our podcast. And this week's topic, we're both really excited to bring it to our Bills fans out there. We are going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills most overrated and underrated current players. And Jamie, this topic I think has a lot of legs to it. You know, right now we're all sports starved, uh, you know, we're, we're, we can't wait for football and other sports to come back, hopefully under safety precautions that COVID-19 has, has thrown our way. So there's a lot of idle time for the sports mind. And so I started thinking about this topic of overrated and underrated current bills. And in fairness to our fans, here are some expectations. Here are some definitions that we are going to operate under with regards to this podcast here on Believe. In my estimation, overrated and underrated, it's all about your perspective and all about your opinion of what those words mean. And for me, I factored in expectations that the team had for this player's performances, expectations the fans had for this player's performances. I also factored in their salary or the position where they were drafted or the assets that were given up to acquire said player. And I also factor in uh, some some personal connections too. You know, we all have our players that we get attached to more rationally or irrationally than we should. That's a part of this, this overrated, this underrated. There's no metric out there to clearly define overrated versus underrated. It's kind of like this is our feel for this topic. So when we tell you we feel a player is overrated, 
to me, it's in comparison to their salary or where they were drafted or the expectations that we had for this player entering the season. And for the sake of this argument, we are not going to include players coming off of their rookie years. Uh, I just don't think it's fair. I don't think we know enough about these players to include rookies in the overrated, underrated conversation. Jamie, what do you want to add to that? I want to add reputation to it. Some people have a reputation for being a good player, a bad player. They may get some national press. They may get local press that that um, builds them up or tears them down one way or another. And I think that that's very important to look at as to whether people are overrated or underrated. Also, the amount that they're making, like you said, one way or another, it's going to play into it. And as you mentioned before we started, is there are certain players who may be underrated, but if they have a huge contract come their way, they may flip to the other side and be overrated because what comes along with the contract is expectations. And, you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots most of the time. So you're probably going to be stuck with the same player at the same production. So something to keep in mind there. The other thing that is incredibly interesting about this topic to me is, and of course, we have to start it off with this, Josh Allen. He's both overrated and underrated, depending on what your perspective is. Yeah, listen, that's that's a very good starting point for this discussion because, and maybe it's post-traumatic stress disorder from the awful abyss of Buffalo Bills quarterbacks uh, since Jim Kelly retired, but no player singularly evokes more optimism or more pessimism than Josh Allen does. And he's entering his third year as a starting quarterback. We've well documented the leaps that Josh made from year one to year two, knowing full well that there's still a bunch that Josh has to do to close the gap to enter that top 10 to 12 quarterback ranking. So I could see putting Josh Allen in the overrated category. I could see putting him in the underrated category uh, based on fan expectations. If you read any of the comments, anytime there's a Josh Allen story posted on rumblings or any other site out there, people, he is so polarizing. You know, they only want, they look at the fourth quarter comebacks and think that he's the next coming of Jim Kelly. They look at the interceptions that he had against the Patriots uh, and, and how he played against cover zero defenses. And they feel like, He is inept and will never make a step forward. I think the jury is still out on Josh Allen. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, for one more year. I could easily see him again being in both those categories. But to me, I didn't want this whole conversation of our podcast to be sidetracked solely on Josh Allen because I think the jury is still out. I think that we will be able to better have this conversation during the season or next year. If Josh fails this year, with all the weapons that have been brought in around him and with the consistency on the offensive line that he's been afforded with all five starters returning, we'll know a lot more about this topic one year from today. Absolutely. And it's very interesting in how some of the national pundits out there have really almost staked the reputation on Josh Allen failing, which is a very strange thing to do. You know, he was considered a project when he was coming out of Wyoming so why are there so many people that that were sitting there saying he'll never be able to play in the NFL? Well, he is a developmental player, and he took a big leap from year one to two, but he's going to have to take an even bigger leap in years two to three to be considered a, 
a legitimate starting quarterback. Yet, on the other hand, there are Bills fans that say this is a franchise quarterback and the stats just don't bear out that he's a franchise quarterback. He actually has basically the same stats this past season as Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we ran that guy out of town because he wasn't good enough. Now, I understand where the emotion comes in with that player because we like him. He's a very likable player. He's exciting. He's tough. He says the right things. His teammates love him. I mean, this is a guy I want to rally behind. But proof is in the pudding. So we can't even we can't even talk about him today as far as one of our most overrated or underrated because like you said, it's an incomplete, right? Yeah, the, exactly. It's an incomplete grade still. I want to be fair to Josh. And look, I'm sure we want to have feedback from our fans out there. So when this podcast posts, get involved on social media. You know, you know, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I'm at John Boccasino, uh, B-O-C-C-A-C-I-N-O. Uh, of course, you can also get involved with our story on buffalorumblings.com. But we want to hear from our fans because this is going to be a talking point driven podcast. I feel like where there's going to be a lot of opinions that are expressed and you probably are not going to agree with much of what we have to say today. I think this is going to be a really fun topic to delve into. So Jamie, without further ado, let's get the negative out of the way first and go through our overrated. We're going to pick one overrated player and two underrated players. And as a caveat to give in t- uh, to our fans as well, the reason I felt strongly and so did Jamie about going with one overrated player and two underrated players. Personally speaking, it was actually hard for me given those parameters I gave at the beginning of the podcast to come up with more than one overrated player. I think this roster is so solidly constructed and there's not many glaring holes or weaknesses that to me, it was really hard. I have two I could go into and I'll mention my honorable mention guy after I give my overrated one. But Jamie, this was kind of tough because this roster seems so competitive compared to the rosters of the past. Yeah, it it really is. And you look at this roster compared to what we saw 10 years ago, and the amount of talent is just it's staggering compared to where it was. And it's also staggering how bad the roster was, you know, back in the Marv Levy uh, circle of trust or whatever the hell they had back then. Um, but for my most overrated player on the roster, people aren't going to like this. For me, it's Jerry Hughes. Now, Jerry Hughes, just to, just to be real quick, Jamie, before you go into it, Jerry Hughes is another one of those polarizing figures, and I honestly debated putting him on either my overrated or my underrated. So to hear you put him on the overrated, lay it on us. Why does number 55 earn that overrated moniker for you? Let me start by saying this. I like Jerry Hughes. I like his passion. I like his athleticism. I love that on any given play, you'll see him running down the sideline with a running back and stay stride for stride with him or covering a tight end. He's an important cog in this defense. But at about $11 million a year, he just is not putting up incredible statistic production. Um, he, When he arrived in Buffalo in 2013, he put up 10 sacks. The following year, he put up a, another 10 sacks with an additional 20 quarterback hits. This was a dominant defensive end, especially in that Jim Schwartz defense. But he has been in single digits in sacks ever since then. His tackles have been declining each year. And... Um, as have his quarterback hits this past season, 
he had a total of 23 combined tackles and four and a half sacks with nine QB hits. That is not an elite edge rusher. Uh, that's a guy whose production is slowly but surely going downhill and he's reached the age of 32. And that's kind of what you would expect from a player whose game is very much centered around speed. Now, he's very strong. He sets the edge against the run surprisingly well. But I just don't think that Jerry Hughes should be thought of as an elite edge player as many consider him. It's interesting that you bring up the reputation part of this discussion because you know, we all think back to, like you mentioned, the Jim Schwartz era with that defense and boy, you know, with Mario Williams and Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius and Jerry Hughes, that fearsome foursome for Buffalo was intimidating and they got after the quarterback with good frequency. And I know that Jerry has not had the strongest sack productivity. I guess I'm just wondering, you're putting him on the overrated list because of both his reputation I don't know. The numbers to me, I still see Jerry being not an elite level defensive end edge rusher, but he still does carry the torch for Buffalo when it comes to their pass rushing uh, abilities. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jerry, you know, have a have a breakout year in 2020 with all the guys and all the talent that's been infused around him. But I can definitely see for the salary and what he's making, Jerry being your overrated player. And it, it, it pains me to have that conversation because I think Jerry has been one of the best bargains that Buffalo's ever had in the, in the free agency and the, and the trading realm, you know, giving up, you know, Kelvin Shepard who turned into be a no name for Jerry Hughes, who has been a a legendary member of this bill's defense since he came to Buffalo. Yes. And, but here's what it comes down to for me, for a guy who's considered their number one edge rusher here. Let me throw some numbers at you. Five, six, four, seven, four and a half. Those are his sack totals um, over the past five seasons. And um, tackles for loss last year, um, let's see, of those five seasons, uh, single digits, tackles for losses. Yeah, that's not elite-level productivity. No, I feel like I want more from him. Well, I can understand where you're coming from. So Jerry Hughes uh, earns your label as the Bills' most overrated player. For me, Jamie, I'm going to go to an area that has been much maligned by Bills fans but I don't think it's going to be the player that people might think I'm going to bring up. I'm talking on the offensive line. And honestly, I was really excited when the bills brought in this player. And I just don't think he lived up to the expectations and the salary burden for me. My most overrated Buffalo bill is Mitch Morse the center who was brought in from Kansas city. Yeah. Let that marinate for a second. What's your gut reaction before I give my rationale? Does that, does that sit with you or is that kind of a, a head scratcher? My, um, well, my reaction is it's it's pretty ballsy to come up with the highest paid center in the history of the NFL as you're overrated, but I think I may have just answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's the rationale behind it. I, I, I loved the Mitch Moore signing when Buffalo went after him. He got a four-year, $44.5 million contract that made him the highest paid center in the league and in NFL's history, I believe uh, that value has been supplanted when Oakland uh, brought, now the Las Vegas Raiders, they brought in a center this offseason that supplanted Morse for the number one seed on the highest paid list. Here's the problem I have with Mitch Morse. So right off the bat, his Buffalo tenure got off to a scary uh, and ominous uh, tenure when he had a concussion and he had to fight through the concussion and he was there were concerns about his health in the preseason last year. 
He fought through the concussion. He played all 16 games and he started the playoff game for Buffalo. There is no doubt that Mitch Morris is a leader on the offensive line. And if you look at his stats, pro football focus only gave one sack against Mitch Morris, which isn't that bad. Although when you take a step back and realize that the centers aren't the ones who normally are giving up a lot of sacks in the first place, that can be a bit of a misleading stat. The fact that he only got burned once for a sack of Josh Allen in 2019. My issue with Mitch Morris is this. He was paid to be the best center in the league, or at least a top five center based on the economics of the deal. He was graded out as the 18th best center in the league. This coming one year after he was the sixth best center, despite missing six weeks with that concussion problem with Kansas city. So in a fully healthy season with Mitch Morse anchoring an offensive line, he grades out as the 18th best center. He is arguably again, a leader on this team. He's a quality pivot. He solidified the offensive line after it was arguably one of the worst units in the league during 2018, but he's paid to be an elite center. He did not perform as an elite center in 2019. His pass protection is solid. He's not great at the point of attack. He's pretty good in the secondary level. So there's a lot of pros and cons to me with Mitch Morse. I can see why Bills fans might be upset if I bring him into the equation as the most overrated. I just don't think the productivity matches the salary. I I think you make a very strong argument there. In in games last season, especially short yardage situations, seeing Mitch Morris get pushed into the backfield was very frustrating. It's not something you want to see from the leader of your offensive line, especially the highest paid player. That's not a guy who should be getting beat when you need a yard or two, and he's a yard or two in the backfield. That shouldn't happen, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, you're talking about this. Listen, we all know how much Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott value the center position. It was a crushing blow when Eric Wood retired and the Bills had to scramble and find another center. And that's why the onus was on Buffalo to pick up a Mitch Morse type uh, when free agency came around. And so they got the best player on their list. I had no problems with the signing at the time. You can't begrudge that. I mean, you need to go based on what the market bears. And that's why free agency is a crapshoot. You're going to overpay for products because if you're a homegrown or a drafted talent, chances are pretty good. You're not going to hit the open market, um, especially on the offensive line. Centers just don't come across the free agency market every day that are you know top five, top 10 potential like Mitch Morse does. But there was one game in particular last year. I want to say for me, the disappointment with Mitch Morse the Philadelphia Eagles game when that was a winnable game in Buffalo against a a team that wasn't lighting the world on fire. They were off to a slow start and Buffalo was off to a good start last year. The Eagles D line pushed around Buffalo and I saw Mitch Morris just getting going backwards, not making the forward progress that you would expect your center to do in leading the charge for the point of attack. Mitch struggles with the bigger, more physical interior defensive linemen, which takes away from the fact that he's a good pass blocker. And so that to me is why Mitch is my overrated player. Um, you know, again, you can direct all your hate tweets to <laughs> at John Boccasino. And I hope that Mitch proves me wrong in 2020. I hope that he's fully. The other thing too, is the concussion issue. There is a chance he was still dealing with a lingering effect of the concussion all the way through 2019. We don't know, even though players clear the protocol, there's always a chance at these lingering head issues. And he's had several of them right. in his career. 
maybe that played a role in it, it too. It may have. And it was the Eagles game specifically that I was thinking of that um, that was him getting pushed into the backfield, especially with Frank Gore in the backfield uh, as well uh, at running back. So who would be maybe an honorable mention for most overrated? Jamie, this one pains me a bit because I think he is one of the best leaders that Buffalo has currently with Lorenzo Alexander's retirement. I feel like he has stepped up and filled that leadership role. He's a community activist who gives back. He's given back hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Buffalo community, to charities, especially during COVID-19. But me personally, Stephen Hauschka is another overrated Buffalo Bill. And what I'm basing that off of is, again, the salary that Hauschka is making, the expectations, and it's the perception too. I know he had a rough stretch last year where he missed a couple of kicks against Cleveland. He missed a couple of extra points. Uh, he missed some field goals and games that Buffalo really needed to have those points uh, to, to win a contest. And, you know, Stephen Hauschka last year ranked as the 21st place kicker among 41 qualifying kickers in the league at making 78.6% of his kicks. Under 50, he's a pretty good kicker, but it's clear that he has nothing left beyond 50 yards. He was one of five last year on his long-range kicks. Um, his 78.6% make conversion percentage on field goals was the worst of his career, tying the 2018 season in Buffalo. So to me, the reason I put Hauschka as an overrated player is you would have thought that the world was on fire when Buffalo drafted Tyler Bass in the sixth round as competition for Steven Hauschka. Like, how can somebody dare think of bringing in competition for this guy? Hauschka is clearly the starter. Yes, he's clearly the starter, but I just don't think his productivity matches the expectations. He's not a top 10 kicker anymore. And if the Bills need three points on the board, I'm starting to worry a little bit that Hauschka is going to be, look, he was a great success story when he was making what 11 or 12 straight from 50 plus when he signed with Buffalo. Awesome. House money was a cool nickname and he was a game changing uh, contribution player on special teams. I just don't think he is the long-term solution anymore. And I think that fans expectations for what he produces versus what he actually brings to the table, it just doesn't add up. I, I I think I agree with you on that. He's good inside of 40 yards. Outside of that, It's he's becoming pretty inconsistent. So my honorable mention is going to be Quentin Spain. I don't think he's very good. <laughs> um, Pro Football Focus has him rated at, uh, at about 55, and that puts him below average as a starter. And he's not very good when it comes to getting to the second level of run blocking. He's not good at run blocking in the first place. They, the stat that gets that we get overwhelmed with is that he didn't give up any uh, any sacks this past year. People say, "Well, he's got to be good." Well, he did give up QB hits, QB pressures, and also he gave up tackles for losses. So, you know, don't get hung up on that stat. I think because of that stat alone, he gets overrated. Um, there's a reason he's only making about five mil a year. It's fringe starter money because he's just that a fringe starter. And obviously the Bills front office and his agent understand this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Spain draws a lot of ire from Buffalo Bills fans. And I, I get it. I guess the reason I, I don't know. I, I think Spain is properly rated in my opinion, only because he's not making a ton of money. And for that guard position where Quentin Spain occupies, yes, he didn't give up a sack. Yes. That might be overblown. 
but I think he's just, a, I think he is what he is. You know, as Denny Green would say, you know, he's exactly who we thought he was. He's a run of the mill, average guard, neither great nor terrible. So, but I get it because I, that, that stat does get bandied about quite a bit that he didn't give up a sack last year, Jamie. So I think that's a very valid point for why he's an overrated honorable mention. And I know what's going to happen. People are going to write to us and say, how can you say somebody who didn't give up a sack is overrated? Well, rewind, re-listen. <laughs> Calm down a bit. <laughs> I gave my reasons. I stand by them. Damn it. Yeah, so we are here on Bill Leave. We are having some fun talking about the overrated and underrated members of the Buffalo Bills. And Jamie, to me, when it comes to my underrated, we're going to switch gears and go to players that we feel does. And, and granted, again, we've given you the parameters for what overrated and underrated means to us. So I'm going to say somebody who I know a lot of Bills fans feel is overrated. But in my opinion, he's criminally underrated. And that's Deion Dawkins. The left tackle, the blind side protector for Josh Allen. Look, people love to throw shots at Deion Dawkins, and they love to try to take this guy down. The truth of the matter is, and the reason why I think he's underrated, if anything happens to Deion Dawkins at that left tackle spot, Buffalo is screwed in 2020 <laughs> on the offensive line. Absolutely kiss it goodbye any chance of making a deep playoff run. You've got fragile tie-in Shecky out there who – you know, look, I, he was a great success story, but he is not someone I want protecting Josh Allen's blind side. Deion Dawkins, to me, made such leaps forward. He, he admitted he had a terrible 2018. He came out and said, I sucked. I was not good. Maybe that's a, a paraphrase, not a direct quote, but <laughs> he, he was not good in 2018. It takes a lot of courage to admit that you underperformed, and he worked hard at it. He got after it, and the results were there in 2019. He was Buffalo's best offensive lineman. He was great at pass protection. He's an amazing player to watch in how athletic he can be given his frame and given his physique. He is playing like a top five or a top 10 talent at the left tackle spot. Like, I don't understand that philosophy. You know, appreciate the fact that the left tackle is the most important spot on the offensive line, especially when you've got a guy like Josh Allen who has struggled under duress. So for me, Deion Dawkins is underrated. Now, again, he's the caveat being if he gets a deal that's 15 million plus average salary, he switches up into the more overrated category because that's a lot of money to be paying him. But at his current salary, entering the final year of his rookie deal, I think Deion Dawkins is criminally underrated. He is the anchor. I think he played better than Mitch Morse did last year on the offensive line by far. And again, if you take away Deion Dawkins from that left side, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. So I like Deion Dawkins. I might be standing up for him more than the average Bills fan wants to hear about. But what Dawkins has done, handling some of the best pass rushers that he's faced year after year, he's only allowed 13.5 sacks over the last three seasons. He's only been called for holding six times total over the last three seasons. That is far below the league average for negative plays that are allowed by someone on the offensive line. And especially when you consider how much teams are emphasizing the edge rush and getting after the quarterback, I think Dawkins holds up incredibly well to scrutiny. Interestingly, I thought that when they drafted him, they considered him to be their right tackle of the future. And due to 
Cordy Glenn not being able to stay healthy, he got inserted on the left side and acquitted himself pretty well. Um, Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the 13th best left tackle in the NFL. So pretty much with what you were saying, he's right there near the top 10. And I, I don't think you can undervalue that he's a leader on the team and a captain. He's definitely stepped up in, uh, and I would definitely say leadership vacuum has been uh, partially filled by him. Well, and especially, I, I'm glad you brought up the, the leadership part part too, Jamie, because again, I don't want to underplay the fact that he did not have a good 2018 season. His second year was not a good one at all, and he worked hard to improve those deficiencies and made tremendous strides. So I could only see Deion Dawkins getting better and better moving forward. And this might be the last year we can say he's underrated. But to me, for the role that he plays, for the essential linchpin that he holds on this offensive line, Deion Dawkins is my number one underrated guy. How about yourself? For me, the most underrated player is not somebody who is underrated by Bills fans at all. We know how good this guy is. The rest of the football world is still figuring it out. And to a degree, I'm glad that they haven't gotten there yet. It's Matt Milano. Matt Milano is the cog that makes the entire defense work well because while he's not the kind of guy who can take on pulling guards and big offensive linemen when they get to the second level, he is something that today's NFL needs, which is a linebacker that can move sideline to sideline and also drop into pass coverage. The guy is fantastic backpedaling into a zone, running with tight ends, linebackers, even slot receivers at times. The guy is just really good. And for a player that was picked in this second half of the draft on day three to come in and this past season having 100 tackles and seven tackles for loss, this is a solid player. My concern here is that you can't resign everyone. I'm really worried that they're going to have to let him walk in free agency. But this past season, Tremaine Edmonds ended up being a uh, pro bowler. But you know what? Milano was better. He was a better player this past year. He just doesn't have the reputation out there. That's, that's my most underrated player. Book it. And Jamie, that's a great point. Matt Milano is definitely underrated. I think he gets a lot of flack for not being as good in the run defense as he could be. He's not great at shedding an offensive lineman, getting to the point of attack and making a tackle in the backfield. But the Bills have so many other players who can do that and be that disruptive force that Milano doesn't have to do that amongst his jack-of-all-trades utilities. He's great in pass coverage. He was a fifth-round draft pick out of Boston College. He's making a very low salary compared to what his productivity is. So I think that's a great selection as an underrated player. Although again, he could shift if he's given, you know, I don't know. That should be a fun podcast for the future. Who the bills, if they had to keep one Dawkins or Milano, who's your pick? That could be a really fun tease for down the road. That, that could be a fun one. And Oh, here's the other thing. He doesn't come off the field. Incredibly durable, incredibly durable, uh, a great leader out there. And for the bills team that has struggled to get that second linebacker going, I, 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 that we talked about it before. I think Matt Milano is both one of the more indispensable players and one of the more underrated because if he goes down, 
Tremaine Edmonds' life is going to get a lot more difficult not having his uh, his backfield made out there on the uh, on the defense. Yeah, he's not the athletic freak that Edmonds is, but he is awfully good, and his best days are still ahead of him. So, who is your other most underrated Buffalo Bill? My second most underrated Buffalo Bill, and I'm bringing him up because I feel like this guy again is like Rodney Dangerfield. He gets no respect when you talk about the salary that he's making the performance he's had on the field, and the fact that the Bills still seem to be looking to bring help into this position. Levi Wallace does not get enough respect, in my opinion. I know he went through the grinder, and he had a horrible uh, start to the 2019 season. I know he had a lot of missed tackles. I know he got burned, especially in the Cleveland Browns game. Uh, There were times when he really struggled. But Levi Wallace bounced back. And if you take a long, hard look at what he did the second half of the season, Levi Wallace is still a phenomenal cornerback, in my opinion, given the fact that he's making very little money in his undrafted free agent contract. I believe he's getting $750,000 this year. He is somebody who I think he's learned a lot from what happened with those missteps early in the 2019 season. I think teams go after him more because of Travius White clearly being the all-pro on the other side. And I think Wallace is going to show some big strides coming forward in 2020. And to me, I just feel like he's underrated. What makes Bills fan think that Josh Norman is going to be better than Levi Wallace or that the oft-injured Taron Johnson is going to step up and be better than Levi Wallace? Levi Wallace in the zone corner role he is much better suited to play that role than the man-to-man where he struggled due to the fact that he's not the most physical of coverage guys. And if you put him in the zone corner spot, he succeeds. I think we're going to see good things from Levi in 2020. He is my second underrated Buffalo Bill. How about yourself, Jamie? You have always been a bit of a Levi Wallace fan. So I can't say I'm shocked that you came up with that one. Now, my second most underrated player, this one surprised me a little bit. um, But I think that despite being incredibly maligned by Bills fans, I think Star Lutulele is underrated. He was signed to a big contract, 10 mil a year, and I think that has a lot to do with the disdain that he receives from some folks. But to me, it comes down to this. He was signed to do one thing, and you don't keep stats on it. He was signed to clog up lanes and take on double teams. He wasn't signed to rush the quarterback. He was not. Uh, he wasn't signed to bust through the line into the backfield and make tackles like Kyle Williams used to do. No, no. He was put in there to take on the center and the guard and push them backwards, or at minimum draw a stalemate on running plays. And he does that incredibly well. If you look at the film of that guy. He's generally in the right spot. He's uh, very good at gap integrity, which is what Sean McDermott's defense preaches time and time again. So yeah, I, I think Bill's fans are at times brutal when it comes to star. And I think he's underrated. I think he needs more due than he gets from fans. There is a lot to be said for being that big physical body that clogs the lane that occupies, you know, two different offensive linemen. He's able to go through and so often does lead to situations where he just takes up space and makes it so that, you know, a Jerry Hughes and Ed Oliver, a Trent Murphy, uh, somebody, you know, Harrison Phillips, when he comes back, I think that if, if the bills had released 
Latule in the offseason to save the cap space, I think there would be some massive regrets this team would have because, again, he's not going to get you three, four, five sacks a year, but what he does is allow the other guys to be playmakers and get into the backfield and cause disruptions. So, Jamie, a tip of the hat for me to you for Star Latulale as one of your underrated Buffalo Bills. Thanks, buddy. So I think this is a pretty fun exercise, and we'd love to hear from our Bills fans out there, our fans of Bill Leave, in sharing their thoughts. Who do you think are the most overrated and underrated Buffalo Bills? Get involved with this podcast on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can also, of course, get involved on buffalorumblings.com. Look for our podcast article when it's posted. Make sure you, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. We are one of seven pods on the network. You can also ask your Alexa or your Google Home device to play the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, and you will get to hear our dosed tones each and every week bringing you Buffalo Bills news. <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate that little drop there, Jamie. I did. I did. We try to close the podcast with a bit of a sense of humor out there. And, uh, you know, given all the uncertainty happening around us, the Bills are at least a fun distraction. And we we appreciate our fans for taking the time to listen to us here on Believe. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.